This is Anchor LA, a podcast presenting world headlines, technology news, arts and data, and encouragement from the Praise Light Media Studios in Panorama City, California. Today's Wednesday, the 18th of April, 2018. Stormy weather is wreaking havoc on parts of the U.S. this week as snow, tornadoes, and hail swept across eastern and midwestern states with hail being reported as far west as San Francisco, California. In Greensboro, North Carolina, a tornado destroyed homes on Sunday with wind speeds of 135 miles per hour. Des Moines, Iowa only got to 31 degrees Fahrenheit on Sunday, the coldest high temperature on record for that day, and in Louisiana, a southwest flight attempted to land at the center of a severe storm in New Orleans but had to turn back and land elsewhere when the landing was forced to be aborted amid passenger panic and turbulence. Also in the news, another Southwest Airlines jet made an emergency landing at Philadelphia's airport on Tuesday after an engine ripped off the wing and pieces hit a plane window, shattering it and killing a passenger. However, that was not believed to be related to weather. And in other news, former First Lady of the United States, Barbara Bush, has died. First Lady from 1989 to 1993, the wife of President George H.W. Bush, was known for her efforts towards the cause of universal literacy and her support for her husband. Mrs. Bush was the second woman in history to be both a wife and a mother of a United States president. Her husband preceded her son George W. Bush in the Oval Office. Barbara Bush was 92. The United Arab Emirates will start testing digital smart plates on some vehicles next month in Dubai, according to the BBC. The Dubai Roads and Transport Authority's argument for the trial is that these devices will allow for quicker emergency response if the driver is in a crash or if the car is stolen. Services such as registration, renewal, tolls, and parking fines can also be instantly deducted from the vehicle's owner. However, because GPS is fitted to the license plates, there is concern about privacy. The license numbers can be changed by the transport authority remotely, which means they could potentially be hacked. The BBC also said that Dubai's desert climate with heat and sand may also pose challenges to the technology. California passed a bill in 2013 to start allowing the testing of digital license plates as well, and they started rolling out earlier this year. This according to The Verge, which stated that plate readers and tracking are also nothing new for law enforcement agencies, and these smart plates could take that to a new level. For instance, a digital plate, when it's not being used for identification purposes, could display amber alerts or weather alerts, alert police when the car is stolen or the registration has expired, or display custom messages or even celebrate local sports teams, and of course display advertisements when the vehicle is parked. Love it or hate it, chances are it's coming to a car near you, quite probably your own. 
1922, the first watchmaker license granted to a woman in Holland was issued. She was the daughter of a jeweler and a watchmaker that reportedly was so fascinated by the craft of watchmaking that he often became so engrossed in his own work that he would forget to charge customers for the services. Over the next decade, in addition to working in her father's shop, Holland's first licensed female watchmaker, Cory Ten Boom, also established a youth club for teenage girls, which provided religious instruction as well as classes in the performing arts and sewing. Both she and her mother Cornelia, her father Casper, and sister Betsy were Dutch Reformed Christians who believed in serving society as well as offering shelter, food, and money to those in need as a testimony of their Christianity. However, in May of 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands. Among their restrictions was banning the youth club as it was deemed religious and against the new Nazi government. About two years later, someone came knocking on the Ten Boom's door. It was a Jewish woman whose husband had been arrested and whose son had gone into hiding. She had heard that the Ten Booms had helped their Jewish neighbors and asked if they might help her as well. Corey's father readily agreed that she could stay with them despite the police headquarters being only half a block away, and as the months progressed, the whole family became very active in the Dutch underground, hiding Jews, and thus, the Ten Booms began what became known as the Hiding Place. Corey and her sister Betsy opened their home to Jews, both Jews and others who were members of the resistance movement, being sought by the Gestapo and its Dutch counterpart. They had plenty of room, although wartime shortages meant that the food was scarce. However, one evening, Corey went to a man's house who was in charge of ration cards and whose family she had helped in times past. When he asked how many ration cards were needed, in her words, I opened my mouth to say five, but the number that unexpectedly and astonishingly came out was 100. Amazingly, the man gave them to her, which helped them and their work tremendously. Over time, the secret work done at the hiding place became known by the Dutch resistance who helped build a secret room adjacent to Ten Boom's room for Jews in hiding. However, their work, one day, came to a very abrupt ending, as on February 28, 1944, a Dutch informant named John Vogel betrayed the family and their operation to the Nazi government, and at around 12.30pm, the Nazis arrested the entire Ten Boom family. Sadly, just 10 days after their capture, Corey's father died. Although about 30 people were arrested in the Ten Boom household, the six people hidden in the secret room, among them both Jews and resistance workers, remained undiscovered, and a letter was received by Corey in prison which read that, All the watch in your cabinet are safe, meaning the Jews and the underground agents had managed to escape and were now safe. On trial, Cory Ten Boom spoke about her work with the mentally disabled, but the lieutenant of the Nazi government scoffed, as they had been killing mentally disabled individuals for years based on the eugenics ideologies of the Nazis. But Cory defended her work, saying that in the eyes of God, a mentally disabled person could even be more valuable than a watchmaker or a lieutenant. Corey and her sister were transferred, finally, to the German Ravensbrück Women's Labor Concentration Camp. There, they held Christian worship services after each day's labor using a Bible that they had managed to sneak in. But Corey's sister, Betsy's health, was deteriorating, and at the age of 59, on the 16th of December, 1944, Betsy died. Just 15 days later, Corey was released. 
Afterwards, she was told that her release was due to a clerical error, and only one week later, all the women in her age group were sent to the gas chambers. Corrie ten Boom returned home in the midst of a Dutch famine called the Hunger Winter. Though she had just suffered through an extreme concentration camp, she still opened her doors to the mentally disabled who were hiding in fear of execution. After the war, Ten Boom returned to the Netherlands to set up a rehabilitation center, and in 1946, she was able to return to Germany to meet with, and forgive, two of the Germans who had been employed at Ravensbrück and had inflicted so much upon them. In 1977, the 85-year-old Cory immigrated to Placentia, California, where in 1983 she passed away on her 91st birthday. Her story is recounted in the book The Hiding Place, which was also adapted into a film by the same name. All in all, Cory is attributed with saving almost 800 lives, both Jewish and resistance workers, in one of the darkest periods of recent history. Today's society is driven by success. As a culture, we love stories of triumph and success. We even have TV programs that elevate the lifestyles of the rich and famous. However, God's standard for success is quite different from the world's. Unimpressed by our status and our wealth, God looks instead for faithfulness to his will. The Apostle Paul in the Bible knew what ultimately defines success, but Paul's lifestyle certainly didn't reflect what most people classify as successful. The Drawing Near devotional Bible describes Paul as having suffered imprisonments, beatings, death threats, shipwrecks, robberies, hatred from his theological enemies, sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, and exposure from the elements as we read in 2 Corinthians 11. But none of those things deterred him from obeying God's will. His final testimony was recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight, Paul said, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now that's true success. 1 Corinthians 11 reminds us to follow Paul's example of faithfulness to be imitators of Christ. By God's grace, we as Christians trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior and have received his righteousness and his spirit and every spiritual resource necessary for faithful Christian living, just as we read in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The continuing sanctification process, once we have been redeemed by Christ, fosters an even deeper love for Christ and a firmer foundation in and thirst for his word. May we as Christians pray that these evidences of sanctification would grow in us and simultaneously grow our desire to share the gospel news of salvation with others, to encourage believers in their walks. And may we seek out the root of true success, not allowing the world's call for success defined in money, fame, or position blind us to the one true God who in his wonderful grace has granted us true lasting salvation from our sinful state. May we, as Titus 2 encourages, deny ungodliness and worldly desires and live sensibly, 
righteously and godly at the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And while that is not a recipe for worldly success, wealth, riches, and so on, that is the recipe for true, lasting, biblical, and godly eternal success. Thanks for listening to Anchor LA on Twitter at Anchor LA Podcast and Facebook.com slash Anchor LA, where you can find links and information to various topics we cover on the show. Contact us anytime with questions or comments or call into our show directly on the Anchor app with input or suggestions. We'd always love to hear from you. Until next time from Panorama City, California, I'm Ben Ditzel. This is Anchor LA.